Alrighty, hello from quarantine. Here we are again. Here we are again. I wish your face was with my face, but that's alright. Oh man. Man. One day. One one day, maybe. One day. (laughs) This is nice. Honestly, you guys, this has been like, this has been keeping the two of us afloat. I know. I'm glad that you guys are... You guys are still listening and still enjoying us, because um, once yeah. again, I, I, I'll never get tired of the sound of my own voice, but we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, um, I saw like, it wasn't a meme because it wasn't funny, it was just inspirational, and it was like, it was like, if you're making art right now to be inspiring, don't do it, don't do it because you want a lot of people to see it, do it because you want to inspire somebody on the daily and i was like oh that's happening and hopefully it includes you guys but definitely us well yeah and thanks for spending your time with us because also not everybody's attention span is drawn in like 15 different ways (laughs) right i mean i'll be honest we've gone live a couple of times i have not watched a single live myself at all Uh and i find it a you have which is amazing (laughs) <laughs> I haven't watched any, and I think usually it's because I'm like, well, if I click this, I'm just going to be listening and watching video for for some indeterminate period of time, and that's just going to be a battery drain, which now doesn't particularly matter, right. but in general it does. So it's kind of like my old programming of like, sure. oh, I'm not plugged in 24 hours a day. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so with, with our little quarantinis, we've been doing um, all kinds of different uh, things we've been bringing you. Basically, just like whatever it is that we were in the mood <laughs> to do. Yeah, because some stuff's a little rough. Some stuff's, it's been like, I mean, you guys know it's been a tough few days. And then depending upon if you know someone who's ill, if you feel ill, you know, if something's going on with your family, that can all just exacerbate and make it even more stressful. Um, so things like uh, really deep and heartfelt poetry, not on the table right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, we brought you spooky stories. We brought you, we've, um, done some recording of our, our, our old journals and, and writings and things. Man, that one was so good. I was just <laughs> listening to that, um, to your, um, can I say Ginny Shakes? Is that a thing? What? what? <laughs> when oh, you Virginia, ta- oh, the Virginia Shakespeare Festival. Do people call it Ginny Shakes? Like, I don't think so. <laughs> I'm going to start calling it that. You're welcome to. I love, I have listened to that poem so many times. I love it so much. Is that the guy you were in love with or just a friend? Oh, when, uh, I mean both. I had a big thing Um. for him when I met him. And then when that was clear that was not going to happen, I kind of chilled out about it. But I think that was probably before... I mean, it was a very lovely poem just to send to a friend. It just seemed unlikely. <laughs> yeah, I think it was when we had closer to when it had like settled out into a very good friendship. Those are very nice Brian Adams oh. feelings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but we thought um, we thought that we would <laughs> leapfrog off of one of our favorite um, 
podcasts and bring you our hometown murders today. <laughs> we did because we didn't realize that the other had a hometown murder and it just came up super organically uh, as we were chatting on an episode that will hit you in like May. Um, and Lillian was like, blah, 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 Colonial Park murders. Am I saying it right? Yes, but that's actually not the one I wound up doing. Colonial Parkway oh! murders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, bar? Murders at home? I have a murder at home. And then <laughs> we were like, oh, we have to find a time to do this. But a normal episode kind of didn't make the most sense. So what a great time for us to uh, to, to share these with each other. Bonus content. <laughs> Bonus content, man. Um, I want so you to excited. go first. You do? Okay. Yes. So, a very important thing to know about my hometown is that it is the tweeest, tiniest, sweetest little place you could ever imagine on earth. (laughs) It is the setting of every Hallmark Christmas movie. It is the setting of the Babysitter's Club. It is... I mean, it is just catching fireflies in the backyard at night and going over and making and, and, and bringing cookies next door and like knowing every kid in the neighborhood and every parent looks out for the other. And it is Stepford. Okay. <laughs> it's Stepford without the money. It's, it's real twee and sweet. And, um, and as such, when I was growing up there, it was the kind of place where it's so little, everyone knew everyone. All of the homes are like like old Victorians and oh. um yeah, and so they the locks are like original on them and people don't lock their doors because it is a an incredibly safe town um, where you know every single person on earth and nobody else knows the town exists. Mm. And that's kind of where it stops. Okay. Mm. It's so funny. So, um, I, anytime I hear it, cause my family has always been so paranoid and they grew up in Manhattan. Like mm-hmm. we haven't never not locked our door. <laughs> Even growing up on right. three acres of land in the middle of nowhere, like, Actually, that's an even better reason to lock your door. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Right, right. And these houses were all, they weren't packed close together like it would be in an urban area, but they were, you know, it was like tree and Victorian lined streets. So yes. you could see your neighbors, you could holler at them, whatever. Right. Um, I lived outside of it, so my, and my parents did not have that mentality. We, um... But but this is like where I babysat. This is where I walked down to get a gallon of milk. This is this is where I spent my time. Right. So all of that changed when our town was rocked in 2007 by a serial killer. Oh shit! Oh shit! It. I mean, it was one murder in my town, um, but it was part of a three murder spree. So I'm going to go to the first one. On July 13th of 2007, in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, a woman named Darlene Ewalt was out on her back patio on the phone. 
at two in the morning, just talking to uh, talking to family friends. And as she's on the phone with her friend Chet, uh, he hears her struggling, and then she doesn't respond. And he freaks out. And Chet wakes up his wife, and he's like, we got to go check on Darlene. We got to go see what's going on. He runs over to the house. He goes out to the patio. He sees that her throat has been slit. She's slumped <gasps> over no. in her chair. Oh. Mm-hmm. And they call, uh, he calls the cops immediately, not knowing what's happened. Doesn't wake up Darlene's husband. Darlene's husband is in bed. He wakes up to cops and flashlights and guns pointed at him. And he is the number one suspect. In fact, he ends up failing his lie detector test. Um, part of part of their interrogation of him was like, you know, how's your marriage doing? And he's like, oh, we're fighting, but not a big deal. And they're like, what are you fighting about? One of the biggest um, tells in that is financial distress. He is the top suspect. Okay. Two weeks later, on July 28th, 2007... Um, Monica Massaro is, uh, is the woman who is from my hometown. She was 38. She was a party animal in the best way. And honestly, I don't know what the hell she was doing in sweet little Bloomsbury, New Jersey, because she kind of had like a shore personality, you know, (laughs) like she loved Aerosmith and she was always going out to concerts and she was always going out to shows and she was up all night on the phone talking to people and she was out dancing and she was, um, she was always with friends. She was kind of an anomaly in the town, not in like a hush hush way, but in like, here's this single woman, 38 years old, pretty much every family in Bloomsbury is very nuclear. Mm -hmm. Um, and everybody's, you know, sort of like buttoned up cherry pie. <laughs> and she's just like living her best Bon Jovi life. <laughs> and she would talk to everybody around town. She was always meeting people and always so friendly and always just super effervescent. Everyone talked about how how she cheered everyone up just like just like sunshine. Aww. Um and she loved Bloomsbury because it was like living in a Norman Rockwell painting. Right. And she lived uh, She lived in one of the Victorians literally on Main Street. Um, and much like the rest of my townies, she did not lock her doors either. Uh. One of the biggest bones of contention in my tiny town is that it's one of the last stops uh, westward before you hit Pennsylvania. And as such, it's a major truck route. And so the town makes a lot of money from a big truck stop where um, truckers can sleep and refuel and sit down for a meal and get um, emergency necessities. It's a big way station, essentially. Mm-hmm. And it brings through a lot of traffic to Bloomsbury that otherwise would not go there. And the truck stop has certainly been around for most of my life, but it had grown for sure. Uh-huh. The town didn't love that it brought in so much traffic and so many new people. And none of that was an issue until this night in Bloomsbury. Fast forward to Adam Leroy Lane is a trucker who... 
um, who ended up stopping in Bloomsbury. He parked his truck and decided, well, here's a little town right here. Like literally the sign that's like, welcome to Bloomsbury. We love you, (laughs) is right across the street from the truck stop. And so he parked his truck and he decided to just walk through the town. Mm Mm-hmm. He left his truck dressed in black and armed with a knife. Uh. <laughs> this is his final testimony in his words in the interrogation. I just, I was walking around, monkeying around like I always do. I decided to go for a walk because I was, I had lots of time. I got to where I'd walk five miles a night. I just walked down the street, went and cut through some yards. I just picked one at random, walking through the neighborhood. How many, you know, if I seen somebody in the house or I seen somebody awake, I'd pass it. I didn't want no confrontation. Couple of houses, they were locked. The door to Masaro's house was unlocked, and I went in. I know I'm driving nails in my own coffin, but you wanted the truth. This is the best I know how to describe it. Lies, lies, lies. And I'm trying not to die. I'm trying to tell you it was an accident. I was looking for money. I was losing everything I had. I don't have much, didn't have much, and now I've lost everything, including my family. You all should get a big conviction off this. There were no lights on. I was in the house, in the kitchen, got the keys to her car that's on the table. I went out the back door, unlocked her car, got the pocketbook out, set it down, went through it. Then I went in the bedroom closet, and she started. She come in. I was in here. She didn't turn the light on, but when she seen me come around the corner, she touched. She had a remote control to the fan, turned that light on, and went to screaming. Went she to sit screaming. Straight. This man is not Ugh. from New Jersey. I need right. to be very... He is from North Carolina. Fair enough. <laughs> he is from North Carolina. Gotcha. Um, and... I said, I mean, my God, I, the, the loathing I have for this man. Ugh. She sits straight up in bed and got out of bed when she seen me and started screaming. And I tried to get her to be quiet and we started struggling. I don't even have a knife out. I mean, you know, I only had the knife in there in case a big dog. Oh. I tried to put, <laughs> I try, uh, sure, sure. In case I needed to murder a dog. No problem. Sure. I tried to put my hand over her mouth to get her to be quiet. She bit my hand. Well, when I tried to get what away, she w- <laughs> when I tried to get away, she wouldn't let me get away. She wouldn't let me leave. Let me tell you, this man, this is a big man. He's a big guy. He's the size of a door. Ugh. Okay, he's two hundred and forty-five pounds. I can't find how tall he is, but he's he's big. He's a hulking guy. Uh huh. So she wouldn't let him leave. I tried to put her back on the bed so I could get out. I fell. I had two back surgeries. I ain't got no strength. I mean, I might look big and mean, but I'm not. I'm Peasley, really, when it comes to wrestling around with anybody. Did you Ask say the man Peasley? Peasley? Sure did. Wow. Ask the man that put a chokehold on me in the bedroom of, uh, oh, oh, uh, got it. Never mind. Going back. Asked the man that put a chokehold on me because he weighed 70 pounds less than I did. Well, I had pushed her down at that point. I was going to show her the knife to scare her. Maybe I thought she'd let me go. And I was leaning on the knife next to the bed or on the bed for support. And she rolled and she rolled over to get away and got cut with it. 
I thought maybe it was just a little scrape or something. God, there was so much blood. She bled to death. I couldn't do nothing about it. It didn't take very long, less than 60 seconds. I what? thought maybe, mm-hmm. I thought if I made it look like somebody murdered her, went in and ravaged her and all that, it'd make <gasps> it a little better, but they wouldn't look toward me. I wanted to make it look like somebody, like some maniac sex crime. I cut her there in a couple places <sighs> after she was dead, between the legs on her stomach. Ew, you see piece this of shit. And then he says, see, this ain't this ain't making it better. This is making me look like a maniac. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't mean to hurt nobody. I didn't want to go to jail for the rest of my life or get a needle stuck in my arm. I didn't have any relations with that woman before, after, or during. I love my wife very much. I ain't out for sexual joys. <sighs> joys. Um, what the, you know, uh-huh. the joy mm-hmm. of, of raping and murdering somebody. I went out the back door beside the car and up through the yard and back to the truck stop. I took her pocketbook from the car and a necklace I found in one of the drawers. I threw the credit cards and license in the trash can. Threw the pocketbook on top of a building. I meant to throw the necklace away and never did. Um, after that after that happened, I went back to the truck and, and tried to eat, and I bought a radar detector and went somewhere else, laid down, and tried to sleep. So that is the story that he concocts for uh, the police after he is already in custody. Uh-huh. Okay? So he he murders Monica that Saturday night and nobody sees her on Sunday and that's kind of weird. And on Monday she owned her own house cleaning business and she didn't show up to clean one of her clients' homes. And her client was nervous and so her client called the police and said uh, I, I'm sure the client probably tried calling Monica. Monica didn't answer. The client calls the police and, say, and says, I'm really concerned about this woman. Can you just do a, a wellness check? Yeah. The police show up. There's no answer. The door, of course, is unlocked. They go inside and they find her dead body stabbed over and over and over oh. in her bed. So two nights after Monica is uh, murdered in Bloomsbury... This motherfucker drives nearly 300 miles wow. to the uh, the northeastern corner of Massachusetts to a little town called Chelmsford. It's right off 495, which, of course, as a trucker, is exactly why he's there. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. On the night of July 30th, 2007, both Jeannie and Kevin... What? McDonough, both Jeannie and Kevin McDonough um, go to bed around 11 p.m. And their 15-year-old daughter, Shay, comes home at midnight. She comes in through the back door, leaving it unlocked for her brother, thinking that he was also out. However, he ended up calling the parents and saying that he was going to sleep over his friend's house. So Shay comes home. She leaves the door unlocked. Oh, fuck. She thought she was doing something nice. Of course. Ugh. And she goes up to bed. So so her parents are asleep and um and Shay goes um Shay starts to get ready for bed ostensibly. Blocks away, a neighbor sees a strange man all in black uh lurking around her balcony. And she calls the police and she's like, there's somebody hanging around my house. The police come. They don't find anything. 
And then at 2 a.m., another neighbor down the block also calls 911, saying that someone dressed in black was trying to break into her home. And the cops came. There was nobody there. However, by the time the cops got there, Adam Leroy Lane had already made it into the McDonough's house. Oh, the no. only house that was not bolted shut. Oh, God. It was about 4 a.m. Shay's parents are still sleeping. She feels... Shay is also asleep. She feels something on her neck and wakes up. Ugh. This girl, she's 15. She's such a badass. And she says, I kind of just assumed that it was a knife because of the blade and everything. It was just cold. And I could feel it being pressed down. This girl doesn't panic. Her first thought is of her brother. And she heard her brother's advice advice to her. And she realized, if I make any noise, he'll fucking kill me. So she, she makes out the shape of this man wearing a mask, hovering over her. She's super calm. She knows her parents are right next door. And she just tried to make as much noise as possible. Nice. Um, it was very difficult, too, because her windpipe was being crushed. But oh. she was able to do it. And it woke her parents. Oh, girl. Girl. Oh. Now, her parents are such badasses. They wake up. And Kevin, the dad, is like, something told us we needed to check on her. So the uh-huh. two of them got up. Thank God. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about you. But... <laughs> In in my day, huh. it would have been like, knock it off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sleep, right? Keep it down. You know? Don't make me come in there. So, <laughs> um, so they get up, they check on her, they step into her room, and they see this man in black bent over her. And <sighs> Kevin goes, what are you doing? And he and Adam spins, and, he see, and Kevin sees that he's wearing a mask. So Kevin grabs his wrists and uh, realizes he has a knife. Oh. Kevin wrestles with him and he starts to topple him, but uh, you know Adam Leroy Lane, very big man, stands up like a bear. Kevin's hanging on, and um, and Kevin gets him in a chokehold. Oh, wow! He gets him in a chokehold, and Jeannie grabs the knife out of his hand, and Shay jumps out of bed, calls nine one one. Oh yeah. Um, she thinks he has a gun, and uh, police were there within minutes. Nice. Now, he did not have a gun. However, on his person, he did have numerous knives, Chinese throwing stars, choking wire, a leather mask, and a hood. Ugh. So, you know, just out for a stroll. Just out for a stroll. Just out for a stroll. Just monkeying around like like he always does. Like he always does. Right. So the cops are like, who the fuck is this guy? They search his truck and they, uh, and they know that they know his name. They know he's married with children. He has no criminal history. And he has attacked Shay. That's it. Right. But in their search of his truck, they also find a DVD player with a disc called Hunting Humans. <gasps> I'm, what the fuck? Yes. Hunting Humans. Oh, God. Was this and com- it's a commercial. It's a narrative produced? film. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, God. it's a narrative film. It is the story of a serial killer with no actual motive other than to just kill for the joy of killing. And so, all of a sudden, the detective is like, "Wait a second! 
is that are we looking at a serial killer here? And in the meantime, Pennsylvania is dealing with the murder of Darlene two weeks earlier. And that prosecutor in Pennsylvania didn't have much evidence at all. There was very little physical evidence. And here in Bloomsbury, investigators were trying to figure out what had happened. They knew that we were in this town that's on the state line, that if it was a drifter, they were well past gone by the time they found her body two days right. later. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they knew it could very well be random because she was just down the block from the truck stop and the major interstate. Mm-hmm. So they began uh, looking at the people who had been to the truck stop, which is a needle in a haystack kind of a situation. It could have been anyone from anywhere. But they tapped into the FBI, and Jersey was looking for crimes that were similar in nature to what had happened here in Bloomsbury, a knife attack near a busy highway. And the FBI was like, hey, guess what just happened in Massachusetts? (laughs) Right. This interstate truck driver just attacked a 15-year-old girl with a knife. And it was only one actual day after Monica's attack. Thank God we've Um, gotten better at, like, everybody talking to each other. You know what I mean? Like, the infuriating mm -hmm. stuff when you look at those older murders where it's like, oh, if you guys had just talked to each other or, like, not gotten in a dick swinging contest about whose jurisdiction it was. Like, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Jersey was a little skeptical because they were dealing with such different demographics. This is not a Ted Bundy kind of a case where everybody looks the same. Right. This is a 15-year-old girl, a 38-year-old woman. I don't know how old Darlene was, but I want to say she was solidly in her 40s. Um, it was a, it, it stretched. It, there was no there was no method. Right. But they followed up on the lead, and. Uh, the Jersey the Jersey investigators wanted to know if anything had been found in Adam's truck that would have pinned him near Bloomsbury. And the detective goes, wait a second. Did you say your town, Bloomsbury, New Jersey? Did you say that? And he goes, yeah, that's it. It's Bloomsbury. And the detective goes, I have something here. I have a receipt that says Bloomsbury. And Jersey goes, what's the date? And they gave him the date. And it was just dead silent it was a purchase for a radar detector oh my god Mm -hmm. that part was real good job not lying for that um can can you he was like i don't know maybe i need to return this thing (laughs) monkeying around with a radar detector oh Oh my god and so um It was an important piece of, it was an important tool in their toolbox, but of course it was not proof that he had killed her. Right. Um, And they ran into some trouble getting more evidence. (sighs) Mm -mm -mm. When the owner of the trucking company came to get his truck from Massachusetts, the fucker threw everything out. He just pulled his truck up to a big dumpster and took all of Adam's shit out and threw it in a dumpster. Yeah. And then Jersey and... He probably didn't want to get caught up in anything. Probably not. Or, like, it just didn't even... 
I wouldn't put it past not occurring to somebody that's like fair. that someone would be that fucking deft. Yeah. Um, so then Jersey and Massachusetts uh, law enforcement is sitting in this dumpster in Massachusetts trying to look for pieces Ugh. of clothing from Adam to get DNA. Mm-hmm. There apparently were stains on it, but you can't tell what they were because they were all black clothes. Uh. However... They also found long blonde strands of hair, uh. a significant amount of those hairs. And Monica had long blonde hair. Gotcha. The testing would take time. And so they decided to do that interrogation with him. The dateline says the detectives were about to meet face to face with a suspect in Massachusetts. They had almost no reason to expect he would talk. He had every reason not to. And yet, Adam Leroy Lane was about to spin a chilling yarn about a hot summer night in a little New Jersey town. (laughs) That's going to be my album name. (laughs) So when, when, when the, when the Jersey detective sits with Adam in Massachusetts, he's trying to gain rapport for a full hour. It's just light, easy conversation. Um, And then Jersey doubles down and he says, I know that you were down the block from Monica Massaro. And he said, did you assault somebody in New Jersey? And Lane got really silent. And uh, they can't see the video anymore from that, but uh, an audio recording has him mumbling something like, I'm done. Legally, Jersey thought he had to end his interrogation. But Lane starts asking questions. He wanted to know if Jersey had the death penalty. Oh. <laughs> to which Detective Noble is like, oh, uh, well, we haven't executed anyone in a long time. Um, and, and Noble goes, if, if you were me, uh, oh, excuse me. And so, so Lane goes, if you were me, would you talk? And Noble goes, absolutely, I would talk. And so at that moment, he knew for sure Adam Lane had killed Monica Massaro. Wow. Um, but Lane had already ended the interrogation with I'm done. And I guess that needed to be adhered to. I don't know. Oh, yeah. He did. Noble did not think that legally he could ask him any more questions. Right. So they all left the room. And was wondering if Lane would talk to them again. And he asked, he asked him, and Lane nodded, and Noble went back in. And he said he knew all about that woman in New Jersey. And that's when he offered that big, long, uh, fucking piggly wiggly dumb story. He oh. said. It was his version of that night in New Jersey, uh-huh. how he went looking to rob and found an unlocked door and his victim accidentally slit her throat on his knife. Mm-hmm. Naturally, the detectives found that idea very far-fetched. However, it was still a confession. Right. That was in August 07, and a few weeks later, test results came back on the knives that had been confiscated from him. One knife tested positive for the blood of a woman whose case had not yet been solved, and that was, of course, in Harrisburg, Darlene Ewalt. So now, 
they had the physical evidence that they'd been looking for uh, since Darlene had been murdered uh, like six weeks earlier. Wow. And now they had that evidence. And now they were able to connect the dots to Adam Leroy Lane, a random murder right off the interstate. Oh, my God. Um, the prosecutor was really distressed about that because it went against all of the all of the ideology that they're taught. The fact that it was so random um, uh, was a little too chaotic. There was no motive. There was no previous relationship. There was no anything. And... Um, at that moment, Pensy realized that they had been um, wrongly focusing on her husband, Todd. Um, oh, they Todd still had is, that poor guy this whole time. Oh, that yeah, Well, guy. I think, I don't think they were holding him in custody as a suspect. I oh, don't think that's what happened. Even but, still, though. Yeah, of course. I mean, the poor man is obviously innocent and grieving and right traumatized and then has to deal with you know potentially going to jail for something that he did not do right let alone not being able to go to the damn grocery store without people looking at him oh my god yes yes um and in fact in fact the 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 headcount could have been four because Pennsylvania authorities were then able to link Adam Leroy Lane through DNA to another victim who was not murdered. She was attacked a few days after Darlene in mid-July. Oh, wow. Patricia Brooks was sleeping in her house about an hour from where Darlene lived. She felt pressure on her neck and awoke to see a man in black. And she was gra- her. She grabbed her throat. She felt enormous pain. She saw blood spilling out onto the carpet. Oh. And she is screaming and he and he bolts wow. he flees she screams her family wakes up panics calls for help and then when the police arrive she says she had never clearly seen that man but now that they have all of his weapons now that he's in custody they can link it together oh my god that's great right in december of 07 uh, he pleaded guilty to assaulting Shay McDonough in Massachusetts. To that, he received a 25 to 30 year sentence. A year later, in uh, fall of 08, he was his his trial in Jersey happened, and he pleaded guilty to the murder of Monica Massaro. Mm. Um, he listened as the prosecutor described the premeditated attack, uh, attack, which was clearly no accident. New Jersey gave him 50 years in prison for Monica's murder. Nice. And in June of 2010, he he arrived for his third court appearance in Pennsylvania. To avoid a conviction at trial and likely a death penalty, he pleaded guilty to the murder of Darlene Ewalt and a tra- uh, and attack on Patricia Brooks. Oh wow. He serves a life sentence for those crimes. Wow. Mhm. Wait. So wait, he 50 years for one and then two life sentences, yes? Uh, no, Massachusetts gave him 25 to 30. Oh, okay. Jersey gave him 50 and he has life for uh Pennsylvania. Oh, I gotcha. Yeah. Wow. So 25 to 30 for the assault, 50 for the murder and then uh and then life for murder because Pensy is little more hardcore yeah. a little bit well damn um, right right and so that was the serial killer 
that hit my sleepy little hometown the summer of 2007. And, you know, very sadly, um, obviously, this wonderful just beam of sunshine of a person is no longer on Earth. But um, also the town just never recovered from it. And... um, and we we haven't been the same ever since. Oh, God. Yeah. Did you know people who knew her? Oh, my God, yes. I did not know her myself, probably because she didn't have kids. Right. Like, you know, I knew all of the kids in the neighborhood, and uh, and I was babysitting them, and so I knew the, kid, the friends of the kids that I babysat, and I wouldn't have any occasion to know Monica, but everybody that I knew, all the parents that I knew, knew her. Right. Yeah. Ugh. Poor baby. Mm. Fuck I that know. guy. Oh, God. Fuck that guy. Fuck that motherfucker. I, I cannot. I cannot. And uh, I feel like at one point I read something really interesting about his family. Uh, oh, 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 oh. This is the important thing I have to read. Oh, tell me. This is the important thing. Um. So this is from the Star Ledger. Adam Leroy Lane um, has been married twice. His first wife, Miriam, he divorced in 1993. And then he married Regina Lane. Okay? Okay. So this is one of those pieces that comes out once the guy has been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And... This article says, before he was charged with killing a woman in her Hunterdon County home and linked to three attacks in Pennsylvania and Massachusetts, Adam Leroy Lane had a reputation as a woman hater, according to people who knew him. Oh, good. Huh, huh, huh. Of course, this is always, always what precedes this shit. His ex-wife, who was married to him for five years, said he thought women were beneath him and that he could do whatever he wanted. He hit me one time. He abused his mom. He would cuss at her and call her names, hit on her, which I think physically. Right. As opposed to, yeah. 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 Um, People who knew Lane said that he could be antisocial, argumentative, and controlling, especially toward women. A guy named Jimmy Utt, who had driven cross-country with him for a month in the late 90s, refused to get back in the truck with him. Oh. Good. Ut <laughs> said Adam seemed like he had a bad disposition against everything. He wanted to argue over something, it seemed like, all the time. And when it came to women, he had a bad way with them. Um, one day a waitress come over to him and said, have I done something to you? And I said, I'll tell you what, he's that hateful of a bastard every day. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, this motherfucker, I... It just it makes it makes my blood boil that that interrogation uh, that, that bullshit that he pulled. I mean, you just you have to know exactly what he's trying to hide there. It's disgusting. So um, we were on Dateline in August of two thousand nine. We were on a forty eight hours mystery wow. in February of eleven. We were on Nightmare Next Door <laughs> and apparently on Castle. Really. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, Wikipedia says that we, that we were uh, that we were on Castle, that we were the the subject of a um... right on. <laughs> That's amazing! Wow, right? I can't even imagine. I can't. I can't. Right? Uh, 
No, it's terrible. And like the the one the one shining bit to take away from it is like how quickly and bravely those parents stepped in, how brave that girl was. Yeah. Um I mean, thanks to all three of them, they were able to catch this guy because of course he would have kept going. Oh. Of and it would have been really hard to find him because it was so random and chaotic. Yep. Ugh. That's Fuckers. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, mine is interesting because it is less about a specific murder and more about um, six murders uh-huh. uh, over over a series of thirty years um, in this place that is thirty years. Yeah, and it's <gasps> smack in between um, York County, where I grew up, and Newport News. Um, so there's a, a lot of battlefields in um, in Virginia all over, of course, but in Yorktown, obviously, specifically, lots of battlefields. Uh, there was this, um, it's, it's the murders of Crawford Road. That's what I'm going to be talking about. Um, and this is, mm-hmm. the place is totally legendary. Like, I didn't know about the actual murders when I was in high school and we would go drive up to this bridge because um, it, it was just... Uh, everybody knew that it was haunted and the whole thing was like if you if you drove up to this underpass um and you parked your you left your car there for any amount of time that it would make your car stop running um oh my god and people saw all kinds of stuff but the the legends um so there's legends about um slaves being hung from the bridge but the bridge is not old enough for that to have been specifically happening however that doesn't mean there wasn't kkk activity there later right. you know what i mean right. um the parkway is full of all of these little archie way um overpass things but this is crawford road is a road that goes through um a battlefield so you can't see the battlefield on either side um there's a couple of houses that are along it but on either other side if you go beyond behind those houses um it's just it's protected battlefield land mm-hmm. um and it's long and there ain't shit on this road. There's more abandoned. There's like abandoned buildings. Um, but like if you were, if you, if you ran out of gas, it would be a good like 20 to 30 minute walk to get to the other, either, either end. Um, if that, and there's nowhere to like, if it's the middle of the night, there's no street lights at all. It's scary as hell and it's windy. Oh so it's not, it's not even a road that makes sense for anybody to take. Cause it's not that big of a shortcut. Like if you were going to mm-hmm. go, if you were trying to get to Newport news from where, where you started out in York County, you may as well just take like the normal <laughs> roads with like mm-hmm. lights. And, um, <laughs> uh, so, but like, Oh my God. It's okay. So when you're, when you're driving up, you see it in the in the distance, and um, it like every time I've ever been there at night, it's been super foggy. But you see it coming up, and it looks spooky as fuck, and it's covered in graffiti, like covered and covered and covered in angry, 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 angry graffiti. Um, so there's that, oh my God. Uh, and then. Like if you, obviously it's echoey because it's an archway when you go through it. Um, I only went there, I think twice at night and I'd never got out of the car. 
never got out of the car. And some of my asshole, my Gloucester friends, the ones that took us all skinny dipping that time, um, troublemakers, all of them, um, <laughs> they, uh, they like got out and were like running around and I was in the back seat of the car. I was like, I just want to go home. I just want to go home. Um, uh, people have claimed to have seen, they, uh, some people call it crybaby bridge because apparently there's a, a theory that someone was, the woman was being chased and then like tossed her baby into a river to try to get away from the Ku Klux Klan and whatever. It doesn't matter. This is none of this is, mm-hmm. this is all the legend stuff. I want to talk about sure. the actual murders because there's enough yeah. actual murders to make the ghost stories. Uh, I mean, pale in comparison. Exactly. So, Oh God. So, um, yeah, it runs through, it's called surrender field, which is a battlefield. So the <laughs> first, the first person, um, to be found. And also every single one of these murders was found not by a pol- like police, even though they do, they claim to patrol the area a whole bunch. Um, but by people who were just like jogging or people who were ghost hunting, <laughs> it was yeah. all found by people who were just passing by. Um, so, uh, Jimmy Johnson, this guy, um, was killed in 1990 and he, just like had put an ad somewhere to sell his Mercedes to this guy, um, who answered the ad under a a fake name. Um, and he was supposed to meet at the Omni hotel in Newport news, which is also where this like all ages dance club was that we would go to sometimes, (laughs) um, middies, middies at the Omni. Um, and, uh, one witness testified that he saw a Mercedes at the witch duck road toll plaza in Virginia beach. And I know exactly. Sorry, what that those is are too. words. Yeah, Witch Duck Road. Yeah, no, it's Virginie. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, investigators discovered Johnson's body a week later, shot in the chest, um, handcuffed, and dumped in a wooded area off of Crawford Road in York County, um, and found the Mercedes uh, in Richmond a little bit later, around the corner from where the killer's grandma lived. <laughs> oh my god! So the guy that was. Um, that was convicted. Uh, his name is his last name is Edwards and his wife actually testified against him. Um, and then later on, I think she was like, Oh, actually you can't use my testimony because I'm his wife. And they were like, you gave it to us though. So (laughs) oops. Um, So uh, Ellenson argued that her testimony was prohibited by a 1949 state law that restricts wives from using privileged communication. Um, But then the Supreme Court overturned that. Anyway, he uh, he the case remained unsolved for three years until it was on America's Most Wanted. And then uh, Juanito Edwards is who was arrested and charged. So he was charged with that murder. And then also they found a body like not far from where they found uh, Johnson. Uh, and it was, they believe they still haven't been able to ID this, but this is the second, second body that they found Tanya Marsha Lane. Now this woman had testified Mm -hmm. against Edward's brother in a murder case. Um, so they don't have any, they, that's not a solved case. Like they have, they can't prove that it was her. Um, but Mm -hmm. they found her body not far from where the first body was found and there were still bullet holes in the ground around her. So that was Tanya Lane in 1991. Um, is this really soon after the guy is murdered? Yeah, it was a year. Okay. It was a year after that they found her. Um, she, but she, oh, oh, wait, shit. She disappeared in 89. 
So he probably killed her first. So her body was discovered less than half a mile from where Johnson's had been found. But again, people don't, like, if you walk along that road or, like, jog along that road, you're not messing around in the woods around there. It's so Mm -hmm. It's so remote. And even, like, once once a place, you know, once a place is haunted, even even hayseeds don't go poking around for too long. Um, (laughs) So, and then uh, Eric Nesbitt in 1996, he was an airman. Um, and he was working at, at Langley, um, and he'd apparently gone to a Seven Eleven and just was trying to get a snack, and these two guys who had been out on a bender robbed him and shot him eight times, and then, and then left him right by that bridge. Um, they, like, they jumped him, they took 60 bucks out of his wallet, drove him to an ATM, got him to take out $200 more, um... And then shot him eight or nine times, and he was found there. Um, And they actually had ATM footage from those guys attacking him. Oh, no. I mean, that's good, but also. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then this um, 18 or 19-year-old, there's two teenagers who were killed and found. Um, Sean Mabry in 2000 was found beaten in the woods off of Baptist Road, which is uh, just through the woods on the other side of Crawford Road. Um, and his killers, uh, hang on a second, do, 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 do. I don't know, I don't know a lot about any of these. There's only one or two that there's any information about. And, and here's, here's the kicker. I actually spent 10 bucks on a fucking movie that I thought was going to be a good documentary about this. No, it was some fictionalization garbage with like, Zombie looking, no. like low budget garbage, and at insult to injury, whoever they get, they get at the beginning. It's like a press conference or something, and this guy is talking, and he, but he's got like a South Carolina accent. He's like, "What do we know about Crawford Road?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "That's not even the right accent." <laughs> Darn it! Um, that is some foghorn leghorn shit. Exactly. <laughs> I say, I say, uh, yeah, yeah. So, um, but Chad Patrick O'Hanley and John Morris Wolford um, actually wound up turning themselves in for the for the death of Sean Mabry. Uh, but yeah, he was he was really young. Um, and Austin Baxley in two thousand six, he was also eighteen or nineteen. Um, and again, these are like unrelated, except for those two at the beginning. It's just a great place to fucking murder somebody. Oh um, my god! So it's really—it's just a location. Yeah, it is like a bad vibe, bad luck location. Do not let anyone take you to this overpass. Oh no, no, no! no. Oh my god! Yeah. So, um, Austin Baxley, um, his—he uh, was working with this guy named Julian Rios, and they worked for like a pressure washing com- washing company. Um, they were buddies, but apparently, uh, Baxley, the kid, was. Um, to being like a middleman for some drug runs and uh and rios and somebody named ray had had threatened to kill baxley when he unknowingly accepted a counterfeit 20 dollar bill from a customer um oh my god i mean i can't imagine that that's why but like this kid i mean i so yeah everybody you know of course everyone's like oh he was so lovely and full of life it's an 18 year old of course Mm, they are and and even if people aren't lovely and full of life they still don't deserve to be murdered right exactly Um, and then um somebody else 
uh, Michael Ellis, they found his skeletal remains um, at the edge of uh, Goosley and Crawford. Goosley is in the Yorktown side. Um, and then this other guy in 2007 got jumped and dragged out to Crawford Road Bridge, right to, to the bridge, and they beat him and stabbed him and they wrapped him in a sheet and they shot some kind of something into his, like a silver solution, something poisonous into his veins and then fucking set him on fire. Whoa. And he was, he was found the next morning. Like he was left for dead, but he survived. Who are those people? Uh, one of the things that I read said that they, they, they thought that he had attacked one of their friends. Oh, so my it was, God. it was literally a lynch mob. Oh no. In two, and again, in 2007. So like, it's not so long Ew. ago. Uh, yeah. And, um, uh, I mean, that's all I got, but I'm sure that there's plenty more that don't even have. Holy shit. Right. So I will send you a picture. It is, it's so spooky. Like you can, it just looks terrifying. And if you're, if you're bored, there are so many amateur ghost hunters that have footage. Like, so, so, like I listened to one that sounded like somebody was talking and who knows you're fake, all this kind of crap. But like, Oh, once again, if any place is going to be haunted, it's going to be a place like that. Oh, for sure. So in addition to the six murders that you know about, what's your favorite like ghost story about it? What's your favorite? Oh, oh, I mean, uh, I mean, I mean, I I have friends who claim that their cars broke down underneath it. Like they were just driving through it and that they would like, (laughs) yeah. And that they would like try to speed under it. And then the car would like choke out or like the tire would blow. Um, And then almost everybody has either seen like a lady in a white dress or has seen, or has seen someone hanging from the, from the bridge. Yeah. And some, oh God, some fucking kids. This is another story. Some fucking kids went and they actually dropped a dummy off. They waited till a car was coming. They got to the top of the, yeah, the, um, it's called, uh, I think it's called historical tour road that passes over top of it. Um, and they went out and they dropped a dummy and scared the, the guy in the car, but he could see that there were kids up there. So he got out of his car and started fucking shooting at them and, oh my God. and they ran away. They got away. You can't fuck around in Virginia, man. No. <laughs> Don't do that shit. You can fuck around in Jersey. Come to Jersey and pull that nonsense. <laughs> but for fuck's sake. <laughs> oh my god. Where what, what what terrible game of chicken are you playing with God by pulling that shit in the exactly. south? Exactly. Well, and especially right there. Oh god. Jesus. Oh, Christ. also and I think it was in Virginia they were not there, but like these punk ass kids just went to some other overpass and were throwing frozen turkeys off of it. And like <gasps> they were going through people's windshields and stuff. Yeah, of course. Probably they could kill someone. Yeah, you could. Jesus. <sighs> That's why when I, I think about that. all of the shenanigans that you and I did, like it was totally harmless. Um, it really was. We, right. were, we, we were, were not imperiling anyone. No. Mm-mm. Anyway, that's them some. You that little copper tone, baby. <laughs> them, uh, them some murders for you. Them some murders. R.I.P. Murder. 
There have been literally nine. Nine murders between us. That's crazy. Um, related but unrelated, I was thinking maybe a fun quarantini might be um, a Weird NJ episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I have a feeling you've gone through quite a bit of it, um, whether you realize it or not. <laughs> and you know what always sticks out to me that I don't know... The hell is that road? Okay, so you know if you're driving out of Hoboken, and if you take that road closest to the water, you can basically go back towards the Lincoln on the yeah. water line, and then there's this creepy cave that looks like the devil himself lives in it. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes, I know. What exactly. is that? It's just. <laughs> What's that whole situation right there? And why do I have a feeling that you've broken in? No, no, I have not. I have not. I do know what you mean, though. I yeah, no, because it reminds me of um, Cornwallis's cave down. <laughs> that that down must by the be York exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah, no. Menacing, for sure. Um, also, Very. oh wait, I should mention the other funny fucking thing about Crawford Road is that on one end, it's spelled C-R-A-W-F-O-R-D. And on the other mm-hmm. end, it's spelled Crawford, C-R-A-F-F-O-R-D. Which, um... Oh my god. Yeah, so like, they can't eat... That's how... <laughs> That's how much the accent differs. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Denison. Yeah, you get over Newport News and it's Crawford. <laughs> but, um... <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't... <sighs> oh, my God. That's it. <laughs> That's some country-ass shit. I know, I know. <laughs> I can't believe, no, like, the Parks Department hasn't tried to clean it up. It's The graffiti is what looks so ominous, you know? Like, sure. Yes, especially when you are in the middle of, like, bug fuck <laughs> the south like that that's so out of place yeah because it feels like some not even because it's the middle of nowhere but because it feels like not a lot of people are going to be there right yeah well and they aren't <laughs> and because it's in between counties like it's tricky to tell who's got the jurisdiction people used to um drag race on there all the time all the time which was mm. really fucking dangerous because it was not a straight line so if somebody was right. coming around the other side in the other direction, you were in big trouble. And why do I have the sensation that it's almost essentially one lane, especially in it, in the tunnel? <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I'll send you a picture. It's it's wide enough for two cars for sure, but it's not great. You're not going to be able to speed by somebody. Ugh. <laughs> uh, well, there's the things. That was that was good. Holy shit. That's a lot of murder. Murder. That's a lot of murder. And uh yeah, I mean there's a very specific demographic of people who who like learning about true crime. Mm-hmm. We are in that demographic. It's cool if you're not. This is not going to be our thing. We just figured we wanted to hear each other's stories and maybe you also wanted to hear these stories. Yes. Uh but um you know, this like this is this is the uh, the blue ocean strategy of quarantines <laughs> right now. <laughs> Nothing is off the table. Nope, this is just walls full of spaghetti. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh my god! How about a fucking hooray uh, or a fucking recommendation? What's uh? <laughs> I mean, I haven't. I've been away from you long enough to have ingested anything new. <laughs> I know, right? Oh! I'm just wondering if there's stuff that we haven't talked about. Um, I, I don't know. I don't think so. I'm dry. Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to... 
I have I have so many. I I have two. I'll give two for for us. First of all, I will give you the blog where I heard of this wonderful thing. Yes, this is an old-timey blog from the days of the aughts, and it's a blog called Kinder Trauma, and I love it <laughs> so much. Kinder Trauma, run by two guys, um, Aunt John and Uncle Lancifer, that's their screen names. <laughs> I love them to bits. You're... They're really, really funny. Oh, no, your happy childhood so... ends here. <laughs> yeah! Oh, it's so good. Oh, my God, you are going to... You're going to go into such a rabbit hole, and I am. I just wish that I could experience it for the first time with you. It's so great. So, Aunt John and Uncle Lancifer essentially take you through um, not the worst, but definitely the most delightful horror movies pretty much since the 60s or 70s. And they will, I mean, they're, they're defunct as a blog now. They are active on social media, um, but they, I mean, it's like, I think it's hundreds of films, uh, hundreds, and the posts are always really funny, so even if a movie is earnestly very scary, the way that they cover it can help you, like, prepare yourself, <laughs> and is also very enjoyable. So, Kinder Trauma, dig deep and delightfully and learn about all these horror movies that you absolutely have not seen before, Nice and... My second recommendation comes on the heels of learning that Shudder is now a free trial. Thank you, Quarantine. Yay. Shudder is a streaming solely horror service. And I realized that there's a movie on Shudder that I haven't watched in like 10 years. And the only reason I found it was because of Kinder Trauma. I found it on YouTube. It's that shit. It's from 1973, and it's called The Baby. And boy, oh boy, is it a crazy 70s ride of, like, perversion and hair and, like, key parties. It's bananas. It's so funny. It's so weird. You didn't mention um, that there was a key party. Oh, yeah. I'm down. <laughs> Are there seventies? Yeah. Are there seventies boobies in it though? Because that's what I um, like in a, in a horror movie. Actually, I don't think there are. That's okay. But I'll still watch. It. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that there is an equivalence there that I'm not gonna spoil for you. Fair enough. Um, but is it? <laughs> it's fascinating to me that like I don't know like the, the whatever the thing was that was in style like all the boobs that were in horror movies in the 70s were like exactly the same shape. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they they were slopey. Yeah. They were like a ski slope. I don't know what that is. I, boobs don't look like that anymore. I've I've seen boobs that look I, like I've that. I've never seen someone who actually has boobs that are that shape. I've seen I've seen a couple, but it was that's all you saw. It was a very 70s and early 80s thing. It's weird. I don't get And it. I just don't know where the round ones were. Where were the round ones? <laughs> Whatever like, happened kinda, to the round they, boobies. And maybe it's because nobody was like, maybe it's because they weren't super, super, super sexualized the way that they then became in like the 80s when when it was just about like giant boobs and, you know, all the way until, well, right this moment now. Um but, like, I feel like in the 70s, it w- really was not about the size. It's like, whatever you got, bring it to the party, baby, bring it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe that's why they were all ski slope boobs. And they were like B cups, and everyone was still topless. Yep, that's amazing. 
we just uh, we just watched um, National Lampoon's Vacation last night, and I oh my! And I, I gotta tell you, I was buckled up. I was ready for it to be horrifyingly problematic, as most movies from that time period were. Not not mm-hmm. terrible. Like a couple of not didn't didn't handle like uh, Native Americans um, very well, but actually sure. not terribly insulting. Like said, used the term Indian, and that was kind of. What white Which was the, the way that we did it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, same, same. you know, early 80s boobies in that as well. Right. Ski slope boobs. Mm-hmm. If you've got them, I mean, don't show us, maybe tell us. I mean, no, show us. <laughs> sure. <laughs> show us. <laughs> Listen, if you guys aren't going to send us your stories, at least send us pictures of you topless. <laughs> That's... Right. That that is the special brand of the Oh my god, we never introduced ourselves or this podcast. Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's fucking great. Um I also I even if I just talked to you about it. Um I did I watched this movie before and then I watched it again this morning because I so love the tonality of it. Mm. But I also like the way that I find Stranger Things incredibly satisfying in virtually every way, I feel like this movie misses the mark and instead settles into all of the old garbage that actually, that that Stranger Things subverts. Stranger Things is so refreshingly not focused on an exclusively white group of kids or just boys or exclusive of girls or overly sexualizing of girls you know it's like it's being kids Mm -hmm. at this in in that era and this movie called summer of 84 tonally it's very good it's done really well and the guy who plays the antagonist i love this actor his name his name is rich summer Okay, I think. And I uh he used to be on Mad Men. I recognize him from a lot of a lot of great stuff. Um and the kids, well, the kids are okay, but <laughs> <laughs> the kids are fine. Um but what they sadly miss the mark on and where they fall short is that like they start totally recreating that little boys club where they're all in the treehouse and everybody's just sexualizing girls mm-hmm. and, blah, blah, and everyone is white. There is not a single person of color in this entire film. Mm-hmm. Unfucking necessary. Mm-hmm. Unnecessary. <laughs> um, and, you know, it's just like, come on. Come on. Yep. There are there are there are franchises and productions that are doing a much better job of recreating how we look at that landscape and it loses none of the beauty and authenticity and retro feel uh, of your nostalgia without making a woman feel like garbage for watching it oh my or gosh. making a black kid feel like garbage for what like just stop it. Amazing. And of course of course, all of the filmmakers in it are dudes. Uh-huh. Um, I would venture a guess that they're white dudes, but I don't know for certain. Mm-hmm. But they're definitely all dudes. The writers, the director, the producers. Um, and I'm just like, oh, it's it's done so well. The color, the art, the, the settings, locations, the wardrobe, the music, the score is so great. And it's just, it's like, oh, I can't. I can't. Yeah. 
I'll watch Rich Slummer, though. He's great. Yay. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So I those are you. my kind of recommendations. I don't know. I guess I sort of recommend Summer of 84. It's worth one watch. But just, like, if you feel icky afterwards because you're like, why is this Sandlot level of, you know, of objectification <laughs> happening in 2020? I mean, maybe go do a cleanse with Stranger Things afterwards. Yeah, but. I've never actually seen Sandlot. I didn't realize that that was Yuji Guji. I, I mean... It is, but it probably won't bother you a ton because it's also a product of its time, mm. you know. So like, and they're they're kids, so it doesn't get so gross. Isn't there? But, a, isn't there like a fat kid through line? Yes, yes, there is. Yeah, I mean, Sandlot is like it's part of the peanut butter and jelly building blocks of my upbringing, and it is problematic. But if you're like, well, this was fucking made in uh, 93 or whenever it was made. I mean, look, it's not it's not much worse than what they were doing anyway. Right. It's not like they're making that now with the and in in an antiquated uh, approach. No, and I because know. they're kids, you know, it's not like it's not like watching a Porky's situation, <laughs> you know, which is real challenging. That shit's so <laughs> Yuck. Anyway. Um, it is really yuck. Yes. Yeah. Well, there we are. <laughs> there we are. <laughs> this has been our guest episode of My Favorite Murder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Jen Ponton. I'm Lillian Bustle. Thanks for giving all the fucks with us from home. We give them all. <laughs> yep. They're just, just spreading the fucks around. <laughs> That is one thing that you can be proud of spreading. Spread your fucks. <laughs> uh, we love you. Stay well, be well. Now I want a peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>